Welcome to the WMBF UK podcast. Hello and welcome back to the WMBF UK podcast with me, Sarah Glanville, as your host. In episode 20, I am sitting down with one of the most experienced natural bodybuilders actively competing on the circuit. We had the pleasure of meeting last year as part of the world's team in LA, and he's coming out as part of our pro team again this year in Seattle. Stuart McCulloch, welcome to the podcast. How are you? I'm good. How's yourself? Thank you for having me on the podcast. You are more than welcome. Thank you for joining me. Um, really, really glad that you wanted to take part. So we're three weeks out from Worlds now, and I can't believe it's been a year since we were in LA together. Do you want to start talking about how you found the sport of natural bodybuilding? Because I know you've got a long journey to to get us to where we are now. Yeah, so yeah, it's been a long career. So what got me first and interested, I was always interested in muscles, even as a far back as I could remember my Favourite superhero was the Incredible Hulk and he, the whole Lou Ferrigno, Incredible Hulk, way back in the early 80s. Even I've got pictures of myself dressed up as the Hulk at, at Halloween. So I was always into that kind of thing. Uh, when I got a bit older, I was I was always sporty. I played lots of different sports. I played football predominantly and I was always kind of getting pushed off the ball. I was just that wee skinny boy, and so from there I just decided to take up weights. I first started training in my dad's garage with a chinning bar that was made out of copper pipe, so maybe that's got something to do with the back now. Uh, and he actually made some weights for me uh, in the garage, so he, he was a conventional turner, and he was able to make some weights for me, and I did that along with my 10,000 sets of chin-ups in the, the copper pipe. Uh, so I did that for I was about 12 to 14. You had to be 14 to join the gym. So on my 14th birthday, I joined the the, the local gym, the, the powerhouse gym, it was named at the time. I joined age 14 on the dot, uh, and I've been there ever since, hooked on day one. The, the gym was owned by a, a an ANB, a natural competitor at the time, British champion Adam Mills, and also a couple of bodybuilders trained there. One of them was my mentor, Derek Rutherford, who was also a NABA multi-titled competitor, and he was a, a mentor to, to all of us there. And first first sort of experience of a show, I went along to one of Adam's shows at the ANB Yorkshire way back in 94, and uh, there wasn't really a lot of the natural scene, but it was it was kind of coming to the fore and saw that and loved it and started training towards competing myself someday. So that's how I got into it. <laughs> like I really like just sort of draw to it from such a young age. And yeah. 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 I think it's it's like amazing to hear like your kind of I guess imagination to like find the kit in the garage and make the kit in the garage and get your dad involved in helping and stuff I think that's really uh really cool and it it's like laid such a good foundation for you to just build upon once you got into the actual gym environment as well yep so do you want to kind of talk us through 
your competitive journey like once you decided you wanted to compete what did that look like well I'll, I'll summarize this in decades <laughs> because it's been a while try not fall asleep so uh, so my first intro to competing was in the 90s so that was my kind of junior years so my first show was in way back in 96 i did the anb yorkshire there was only one natural fed at the time the anb association of natural bodybuilders um, and i had quite a big show uh, in yorkshire um down in homeforth and i did the juniors didn't really have a clue what i was doing horrible tan hairy armpits all the rest of it <laughs> came in second out of two <laughs> so but I kept it going. I did. Uh, I was sort of on my way in a prep, not quite ready yet, but I did compete six weeks later at the ANB Scottish and still in 96. Um, so obviously uh, in the Grand Hall in Kilmarnock, which is a, just a couple of miles up, up the road from where I live. And I was a bit better this time, so I managed to get a little bit sharper. I was still tiny, uh, but I was a bit sharper. And managed to place second in that show. I don't know if you know Gerard Parizel. He won the overall amateur world. He was in that show as well. So yeah. we go way back. Um, so that was 96. That was two seconds. And then competed again in 97 as a as a junior. And I won the, the ANB Scottish. Gerard was in that show as well. So... I <laughs> two victories over him. Uh, uh, don't know what would happen now because it's a bit big for me now, probably. But uh, so that was good to get to get a win under my belt. And then I competed again in in '98. Uh, I competed again at the Yorkshire. Uh, I got second place at the Yorkshire. It was it wasn't out of two. There was about five or six of them at the time. I was a bit soft, so wasn't quite happy with how I placed, but I continued my diet uh, on to the Britain, which was in a place called Corby at the time. Not the nicest place in the world, but it, it was a big, fairly big show at the time. There was only one federation, uh, so uh, I, I did the juniors and I, I placed second again. But it was a much, much bigger lineup, so that was that was. Probably the best I'd ever been as a junior. Uh, and after that, uh, I got an invitation to the Europeans at the time in Barcelona the following year in 99, which actually Fivos was on that trip in Barcelona, believe yeah. it or not. He was competing there. <laughs> uh, and I got second again. So I think I got about five seconds in total as a junior and in one win. So that's the 90s out of the way. Yep. So then it was kind of my, more I would say my least successful period was in the, the early 2000s because the, the juniors at, at that stage was like 21 and I was just like in my really early 20s, probably not enough muscle on me to be competitive right into the into the lightweight so it took me I, I competed 2000 2001 I, in fact so I won a show then I, I won the novice I won the ANB novice 
in East Kilbride. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it was he- held in East Kilbride, but then after the novice, it wasn't the highest standard of show in the world, I must admit. So, um, so it was then into the lightweights. Um, so did a did a few shows as a lightweights, and I never really won anything else again until 2005. I won the central central BNBF, uh, but s- still probably not enough mass on me really to 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 really challenge at the Britain. Uh, so that was 2005. I didn't compete again till 2007. That was at the BNBF. Scottish and I always wanted to win that titles because I had two Scottishes in two different divisions and I wanted to have three Scottishes in three different divisions. So, uh, but I was second again in 2007 to Barry Cunliffe, who's now a pro. <laughs> uh, so that, that was quite a, I, I was in decent shape there. And then I came back the following year to try and redeem myself and got second again <laughs> in 2008. I did the Britain, but in that year, but again, I was still, still not enough mass on me really. I could always get in shape, but it's not enough mass on me to really challenge at the Britain. Um, I think two thousand and eight. So that's that's the two thousand and eight. So get getting getting myself sort of just building up. I got slightly. I was never a quite. I was always a slow developer. I, I made steady progress, sort of tortoise in the hairstyle, but I was never a quick developer. So on to the two tens, which was probably my most successful year. So 2010, it started. So I won finally the the BNBF Scotland, the lightweights. So that was the first show I then for a couple of years. So I then won the, the, the Scottish in three categories. So I was over the moon at that. And then I, I did the Britain and it was a really tough lineup that year. It was I think Rob Waterhouse even got second. And so that shows you the the caliber of the lineup. And there was another guy, Steve Morris, who who was a past champion. And I managed to get fourth in that. And then I'm starting to think of myself, right, I'm I'm starting to get to the point where I'm actually competitive in the in Britain level events. So kept training. 2012, I entered the Scottish again with a view to go into the Britain, but it was probably a stupid year for me to compete. Or that 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 time in the year was a stupid time to compete because like we just had uh, our second son, so I didn't really do very well on that show. I was kind of down about it because it it was things were kind of in an upward trend before then. I got I think it was third out of three at the time, and then I thought. I was quite unhappy, quite upset, but that kind of lit a fire in me. So from there, I kind of moved to the same year, 2012, I think it was. I competed in the UK DFBA with the fire lit and I managed to get second in, in their final. That was the affiliate to the WNBF at the time. I placed second to a guy called Andy Hallahan, who was quite a strong competitor, had won the various UK titles and a few people had said that uh, that I should have won on that day. So that was me just now. Right now I'm starting to get there at British level. So I took two years off uh, 
built a bit of mass, really improved between 2012 and 2014. Um, and uh, I came back in 2014 and I managed to, to win the Britain. So that, that was really my, the only ambition I ever had in bodybuilding was to try and win a Britain. Anything that came after that was, was a bonus. That was, that was my goal. Um, and it, it was quite a, a decent year. There was quite a lot of like guys that had won sort of what, amateur world titles and turned pro. There was Andy Hallahan who uh, I avenged my defeat to Andy Hallahan. Rob Feezy was in the lineup who was a legend, probably not at his best, so not beating the best, admittedly, Rob Feezy of his career, but still to beat Rob Feezy. Was quite a thing. Jay Barnett, he was in the lineup as well. Richard Walker, all all guys that that were really kind of on top of the like o- older guys with mature muscle and and so I won that. And then there was a they had an international which was a, the next day, and I won that as well. So that then got me to the world. So in 2014, went over to Boston in the worlds and. Managed to play second on my first attempt at the Worlds. And I always think, looking back, if you can get second in something, then maybe there's a chance you can get first. Good chance you can get first. So it's just the next step. So I trained hard. Took the year off. Took 2015 off. Uh, 2014, I won at Bantamweight. But in 2016, I felt coming back there was the burden of expectation I was sort of expected to win and it the, there wasn't a bantamweight category it was a lightweight category so it was a, there was less categories so I had the burden of expectation and it was a slightly heavier weight split so I felt the pressure was on me and I managed to win the, the UK again uh, and the international and I went over to the WNBF Worlds and won that as well. So, and turned pro in 2016. So that was that was my amateur career, the highlight. So it went quite a while without. I won up pretty not near enough everything for about three or four years. So that was in 2016, and then 2017, I then got a rude awakening. <laughs> Going into the <laughs> The pros, I knew I was I, I was under no illusion because I, I knew how good it was. I followed the sport. Uh, so I did the WNBF Pro International that was held in the, the UK, the UK, the UK DFBA. It was a pro WNBF pro sanctioned event. And I got, I think I was last <laughs> in, in that lineup. Uh, so it was a fairly strong lineup. Uh, I wasn't quite, so I did that show as a qualifier. I treated it like a qualifier, so I wasn't 100%. Uh, so I went from there and then got into real proper shape for the Worlds in 2017. And I managed to place, so I was quite happy just just being able to place. I took a medal home in my first first year in Boston. It was in Boston again at the Worlds, so I was, I was quite happy to just, in, in a strong, lightweight class, and I, I, I was able to place and got a medal, so I was happy. Yeah. Uh, so then, a couple of years after that, they, they were holding the, the same thing, the same WNBF Pro International. Um, 
but I'd, I'd made some significant improvements and I was this time I was making that show my show and if I was doing the worlds it would be a I'll do the worlds after that but I was treating this as my my main show so trained hard for that did a did a guest spot in the in in the in the lead up at, in Edinburgh so I had that target to go to they just got me sort of eight tenths of the way or whatever there and then competed on the day and won in 2019 so I won a I won a pro show so Amazing. I was I was surprised myself <laughs> uh, uh, I beat a couple of guys the two top five winners Marco Bassi who'd placed top five in the worlds and a guy called Dan Baggio and and that they might not have been maybe a hundred percent, but to beat them and was amazing for me, and that that meant I think my, created my little bit of history. I think I'm the yeah. first and only Scotsman to win a WNBF Pro Show. So that, that that was uh, that was in the light. So they split it light and heavyweights. Uh, Daniel Mitchell won the heavyweights deservedly, and he was massive. He won the overall, but I won I won an under seventy five. Pro class against uh, guys that were that were that were top five guys, so I was over the moon. That's probably the best thing I've ever done in bodybuilding. Yeah. Um, and then I went on to the worlds uh, that year, and I took fifth, so I placed in the worlds. Brett Freeman won that. But on the way, I, I kind of got sick, so I don't think I gave the best account myself. I was shredded. I was bone dry because I never held any food down for about three days. So yeah. I, I took really, really ill, but I was really, really dry, really, really hard. So in a sense, it helped me, but I wasn't able to hold a pump or anything yeah. like that. And I was like, probably not, not giving the best uh, that I could. And then after that, we're now into the 2020s and COVID. So... I felt like I was hitting my stride as a as a pro. I was at the top of my game, and then COVID happened, and it just kind of happened at the wrong time for me. I was already forty two, and then not really training and feeling a bit down, and got to like twenty twenty two, and I was really just saying, "Look, I'll do it one more time, and then I'm just going to wrap it." The the, the federation had came along with they they went their separate ways. I had no intention of going down that route. I wanted to stay with the WNBF and so reached out to to the WNBF UK um and went out with the team and and loved it. Uh didn't do as well as what I had done in the past, but given that I hadn't had a great off season, and I probably overdieted a bit. So I'm going to try and learn some lessons from that. Probably overdieted, but probably lost a bit of the muscle density. To be fair, um, I prepared the venue that I'd won in 2016. It had really strong lighting, so in my defence, I went. I was going all out shredded because that really comes alive under really really bright lights. But the, the venue changed and it, it wasn't quite the same lighting and I was a bit smaller and probably as ripped but just lacking a bit of pop to the physique. So yeah. 
in the off season, I'm, I'm trying to address that. So, well, so yeah, going back a bit. I, so I had intended that that was going to be my last show, but I enjoyed it so much. I liked the new the new crowd, and I thought, no, no, I've enjoyed this, so I'm gonna I'm gonna actually go again. So here I am. I'm going again. I've had a a much better off season. I've had a I did the guest spot over in Ireland, and people were saying, "Oh, you've you've improved," and I think I have improved since last year. I, I feel like a, a lot of that density's back, and I'm going to try and take the advice of not over dieting this time. Try and come in with a bit more pop to the physique, not sacrifice tissue, just to just to be the most ripped guy alive. Still be ripped because that's my strength as a competitor, but just not trying. Uh, uh, sacrifice too much and 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 the aim of getting just lean beyond belief at the expense of everyone else. So that that's it. Hope hope you're still awake. <laughs> <laughs> I like I just I'm sitting listening like it's an incredible journey and I nothing you know you don't lack anything but like for hard work like you just have given so much hard work to this like Thanks. for such a long time um. And I always talk about how the the this the, the deal breaker in this is longevity. The longer that you're in it, the more mm-hmm. you keep applying consistent effort, that's when you get better. And I yep. think that you are like the absolute example of, of that journey. Do you know, like going from humble beginnings all the way yep. through to earning your pro card and then challenging for titles on a world stage, you know, on a pro level. Uh, and humble beginnings again. Yes, when exactly. You had the <laughs> um, uh, and... So, tortoise and the hare story. That's mm-hmm. I love that fable, uh, but I think that that applies to me. I, I never had great genetics. I never, I never gained quickly. There was there was guys that went much. They progressed a lot quicker than me, but I stayed in the game, and and I've got my pro title, and they don't. <laughs> so, a hundred percent and it's literally that is what it's all about isn't it right like it's about wanting just continually coming back and mm-hmm. I love that every time you felt a little bit of like defeat almost or like disappointment it's fueled you to continue going forward because I think a lot of people feel that and they retreat and they, they're they're scared mm-hmm. of that feeling almost and they don't yep. want to experience it again but you use it as fuel to come back and continue to work on yourself I think I think it's good for you, especially when you're younger. It's good not to win everything, because because if you do, you just tend to just expect to win all the time. But if you if you get a second, a second's a good one because because you you just want to come back and, and and there's a chance to win and you train, it lights the fire. So so I think winning too much, especially when you're young, is bad. It's a negative. Yeah. I agree. Um, I, I completely agree. And I'm telling you, I think I said this to you at the time. See, when you told mm. me that you weren't actually retired and you were coming <laughs> back this year, I was literally so happy. Um, I think you've got unfinished business too. I'm excited to see you. Yeah, back. I, I want to, I want to, I'm under no illusion about the quality. I'm not expecting to go and do this or that, but I just want to go on and say, like, I can still bring a, an improved package and wherever I place I want to be better and I yeah. want to be able to just display that in yeah. 
and just just make it obvious that I'm better than what I was last year, and and the placing will be the placing. I've, I'm happy with what I've already done in my career, but I still love it, and I, I still think I can make improvements. So I'm going to try. And I think it's like so exciting for you, like even getting that feedback from the guests posing spot. Yeah. To like be like, you know what? Actually, I feel like I've improved, but getting that mm. feedback from your peers that mm. they see it too. And we know that your problem is never condition. You can get into real crazy condition. So it's mm. nice to be like, right, I know I can mm -hmm. bring the condition. Mm -hmm. My challenge myself this year is actually not pushing myself too mm -hmm. hard. Like mm -hmm. I can still bring crazy condition, but not losing that fullness yep. or that pop that, that you need on the face. Discipline for me in a way is holding myself back. Yeah. Because I can like take the mentality that I'm just going to kill myself. I'm, mm -hmm. I will do it. I will go through. But it's not sensible all of the time. Sometimes you need to hold back and and sometimes you think oh, you're getting softer but you're just getting flatter you just look softer because you're so flat um but I, i've i've made a conscious effort to to not do that to correct the mistakes because we, we we all make mistakes and your body's a moving target and things change so i've been doing this yonks and i'm still learning so <laughs> Uh, and and it is it's a moving target. Your body changes, you age, hormones. You've more muscle some years, maybe less the next. So it's it's all learning, and you and you can do the, the same things twice over and get different results. So it's always a hundred percent. You've got different stresses every time, and you know, two preps are never the same. Yeah, you just need to keep going. Yeah, and I think that the next question I've got for you probably. I'm really interested in your perspective on this, but the sport changes as well. Like the people that you're standing on stage next to, mm -hmm. it's a different sport. I would imagine from when you first started competing totally. in 96. So I guess from your perspective, how have you seen the sport change? Um, the, the classes for a start. So back then it was for men, it was basically just different flavors of bodybuilding. So there was the teen junior, novice, weight categories, all bodybuilding. There was no physique or classic or anything like that. Everyone was bodybuilding. So yeah. that, that suited me because I'm a bodybuilding purist. That's uh, I, I love all that, but there's now a lot more opportunities for people that don't want to be bodybuilders and that helps fund things. I, I was resistant to it in the start, but now I'm I'm, I'm quite happy every day. Get get as many people involved, and that helps grow grow the sport. Because it, to be honest, if these classes never came into it, it could have died. Because that's that's what people want. But I, I'm still a bodybuilding purist. I'm still a meat meat and potatoes bodybuilder the way I've always been. But certainly the classes is one thing. Uh, co coaching's more of a thing now. That the, there wasn't really any such thing as a coach in my day there was the local guru and your mates you, you went to see uh, probably Derek who I spoke about he 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 was sort of a coach for me but more, more of a mentor but uh, it was more a case of you were your own experiment and you just worked through trial and error fine-tuned what worked and what didn't um I think I'm one of the few people that still actually do it that way. Uh, 
probably going back, I would use a coach if there was one available because you waste a hell of a lot of time. But now that I've gained it, I don't think I would. I could actually. I'm too much a control freak. <laughs> uh, I, I probably wouldn't listen that well. <laughs> Maybe I should, but it's just the way I've I've spent so long doing it my way, and it's part of the enjoyment I get is is the trial and error. So, but if truth be told, I, I would probably use a coach in the early stages at least if I was to. If, if that was available then, but it, it just wasn't. And the third thing, probably the obvious one is social social media. So that's a massive difference and the, sh- and the, sh- the shows are different as a, as a result. And that's, that's one thing I'd like to bring back was the suspense because there was, there was no real clue what other people looked like other than rumours. So a lot of expense, expense, expense as well. (laughs) Suspense built up a bit around what people were looking like. And then you went to the show and you saw some of it turned out to be nonsense. And some of it was true. And there was just, there was just no social media. Uh, I'd I'd like to bring aspects of that back. It would also, like sometimes you go and, People are better in the social media than they are in the actual show most of the time. Because yeah, I think you, that's often the case. And it would be good to to get maybe if they could turn it off for a month to go, and then just get that suspense back. But obviously, it's it's great and it, it opens up a whole new avenue of getting people's name out there. So as a positive, but there's also some drawbacks as the, there are with with anything like that. So. That's, that's what I would say is the main differences. That's so interesting about social media because I have I actually never thought about it like that. Um, and and we do we 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 share everything on social media now, and I, mm. I know that you that you're also involved in that now. I, like I love seeing your updates. Yeah, um, but, I'm but not I think big that's on it. such a good point. I think we put a lot of pressure on ourselves as well when you feel yeah. accountable most to post on social media. Um. And I guess it was the opposite before. Yeah. Oh, and you go. You finish. No, sorry. So yeah, just the 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 pressure you put on yourself to. I guess. I don't even know to show up on social media and then yeah. comparing yourself, you can see who you think's coming and compare. I don't know. I, I think that's just a different yeah. sort of mental pressure that you're putting yourself under. But I mean, it was the exact opposite because if you if you think back to the late nineties, there was you were coming up with Doreen Yates, and Doreen Yates was the shadow who turned up out the blue and blew everybody away, and that's what people were like. They were hiding. They would wear duffel coats and not not duffel coats. They would wear baggy yeah, clothes exactly. and never never been seen until the day. And now it's the exact opposite where everybody's seen everybody before the show, a better version of themselves before the show, and then not always, but in some cases, the show you 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 see when you go, you see all the flaws that you haven't seen in social media and with filtering and stuff, then like sometimes you would think a 10 stone natty guy could rock up and win the Olympia. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but obviously, that's not reality. But 
that, that's uh, how, how, how I'd see it's changed. Yeah. You mentioned, obviously, through your journey, you've kind of gravitated towards competing with the WNBF. And when the UKDFBA and WNBF split and that mm-hmm. changed, the route changed, you, you you consciously chose to stay with WNBF and use your pro status with them. Was that like, it sounds like a really conscious choice. Like, what was the thought process behind that decision? Yeah, it was a difficult choice because the most uh, sort of the people I was close to in the sport were on that on that side of of the fence, if you want to call it that. Yeah. Uh, so they they went away to do their thing. Good luck to them. I wanted to stay with the WNBF um, because that's what I view the 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 main title in natural bodybuilding uh, as as being the WNBF pro title the the WNBF pro overall winner is who I would say is the equivalent of the Mister Olympia. Uh, when I when I started, there was one natural federation, one affiliation, the WNBF. And it was not like I wanted to compete with the WNBF because I was so far removed from that at the time. I wasn't like I'm going to be a, a pro. It was never in my thinking. But there was there was one federation and one one affiliation and all the like your all your legendary UK champions like Nigel Davis, Andre Palmer, Rob Hope, John Harris, all those guys from when I was young. Those were the WNBF pros. And from from my observation, when when the federation split, it tended to be the one with the WNBF affiliation that survived and thrived. And I really just, as an amateur, just followed in the same direction. So I think it's got like a it's got a deeply entrenched position in people's mind from my era as to what the number one title is, and I think that's that holds true. So I I think it's almost like giving your kids another tomato sauce other than Heinz. That's how I see the WNBF and natural bodybuilding. I <laughs> That's why it. I stayed. <laughs> well, we're still glad that you're here. Um, <laughs> no, I, 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 I really think that it's so, there's a lot happening in, at the moment and we talk about social media, right? And everything's shiny and new. But I, I feel that draw towards the WNBF myself about the prestige and the history mm-hmm. behind it. Mm-hmm. And that's kind of where I've gravitated. And mm-hmm. I, I know that there are others out there that are the same. But um, I think that, you know, whatever your journey takes you, mm-hmm. it's about the package mm-hmm. that you bring and what you do. But I'm I'm really glad that you've decided mm-hmm. to stick with us. Um, yeah. Have strong reasons behind that. And I'm, I'm glad you're kind of, talking in this format as well because yep. I think even for, for me like you have much more perspective on the journey of where the sport has been and where it's going than, than I have and mm-hmm. it's it's great to hear from seasoned competitors their yep. reason for, for sticking with WNBF um, and I think it would hopefully and hopefully will inspire some younger yep. Yep. generations to continue along I mean, that path. Don't get me wrong I was treated well where I was I just yeah. The way I see it, that that's how it is. It's the WNBF. It also has weight categories, which is more suitable for for me, even in the smaller end of the 
the spectrum and I see some of these federations with what I view as silly categories. So I just don't want to go down that route. I'm happy that they can go off and do what they want to do, but I don't want to go deviating, especially not at this age. I, I want to stick to, to what I know. Yeah, meat, meat and potatoes bodybuilding, right? Yeah, yeah, that's what that's it. <laughs> so um, moving on from that <laughs> like me I know you've got a career outside of the sport and outside of the fitness industry so is there anything that you've taken from being an active natural bodybuilding competitor taken from the sport and applied elsewhere in your life yep I think the qualities you need to be even an improving natty competitor are the same qualities that you would need to advance your career or build a business or in, in my case I've carved out a little niche for myself as a portfolio landlord which I run in tandem with my IT contracting work uh, and to build a physique or a portfolio you need to be disciplined, you need to be able to defer gratification, make sacrifices and have a long term perspective and keep learning and all that stuff. I always go back to, I heard something that Chris Aceto, the, the famous Olympia trainer, he, he's also a, a big property guy. He, he said that something that resonated with me, he said that a lot of things are actually quite easy compared to bodybuilding. I think that's totally true. But the, the difference is that bodybuilding gets harder and harder to add muscle and, and investing gets easier and easier because you can harness the power of compounding so I think there's a lot of similarities between being successful in a in your career whatever that whatever that route takes and and bodybuilding and I think bodybuilding's taught me more than anything school or, or anything just having that journey and and keep going the old tortoise and the hair story yeah I think it is it's it's so what you've said and what your journey through bodybuilding's the the core values that you clearly have and the drive the resilience the hard work ethic like those are all completely required outside of bodybuilding mm -hmm. and I think it's such a sort of acute way of honing that skill set mm -hmm. when you're really focused on yourself and mm -hmm. your development and you becoming a better version of yourself and it's this like physical manifestation of that is, is the way I see bodybuilding and it does, it gives you all these skills and the way I see it, like, like I said, core values, like things that ground you. Mindset. You other, mindset that you can take into other areas of your life. Yeah. So yeah. you joined our judging panel as well this year. And how was that experience kind of sitting on the other side of the sport? It was overwhelmingly positive for me. Like all the, all the, the judges, they're all as passionate as I am about making sure the judging is fair and consistent and the, the placings are as they should be. And no, I'm really, really loving it. And I judged before and I, and I thought, oh, here's the end of my judging career now, but now I, I can do it again. And I, I love to be. And there'll come a day where I'm no longer on the stage uh, but I'd like to keep the judging and keep up with helping out even if it's just lifting stuff or moving 
moving tables, whatever it may be, I don't mind. Just help out, stay involved. Yeah. Also, from a competitor's point of view, it reaffirmed to me that you need to get the basics right when you're on the other side of the panel, like small stuff like just make sure people can see your number and stuff like that and not wasting time getting into your poses. You want to make life as easy as possible for a, a judge to, to assess you. And you just, uh, it hits home more when, when you, when you're on the other side of the, the stage. Um, yeah. So yeah. It's not an easy job. No, you? no, it's not. <laughs> you tend, to, if you're watching a show, you tend to gravitate to the winners and you, you can forget everything else. But when you're judging you, a lot of times it's fairly obvious who the winner is, but then the other placings, you've got to really concentrate and you've got to make up your mind fairly quickly. And no, it, it's challenging and you've got to be switched on. Yeah. But I, I love it. Do, do you, like, apart from the basics, do you feel like there's anything that, that having that perspective that you take with you, they'll take with you when you compete again? Anything that, that you really pull from that judging experience? Uh, getting into the poses quick. Yeah. A lot of it. I mean, that, that that front relaxed is really important because same with the front double bicep and the muscularity around, just don't waste time. Don't waste time getting into the poses. Practice that front relaxed and, and all the poses, but especially the front relaxed. Hold it. Stay on your legs because... You might have the best set of quads in the world, but if you're not tensing them, yeah, they look soft. So yeah, just, just, just um, those things. That's that's what I would. That's what I'm gonna spend <laughs> time, spend more time practicing. Like yeah. I've been doing it, but you get rusty a few years off. You're rusty, and you need to, you need to keep practicing. So yeah, yeah. Um great and I think that's such good advice that posing endurance and especially talk about the front relax like you come out and you hit it and mm -hmm. that's the first look that everyone gets of you so you want it to be like on from the the second that you step onto stage it's the most kind of abused pose as well you see people with their hands too far up and it, you just see big wide open spaces and yeah it's quite it's quite a hard one to hit but it does show up every every flaw that you have from yeah. the front because you're just st standing relaxed in quotation marks <laughs> everything's tense but legs on yeah. fire but yeah 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 <laughs> you, you've got to be prepared for it yeah so you're joining our team in seattle again this uh, for the world's team again this year and you're going to be one of the most experienced members on the team. What advice would you have for the more junior world's team members or any aspiring natural bodybuilders really that are wanting to compete at that world's level? When it comes to, I'd say, when it comes to the world's, you got there because what you did worked. It's not time to start experimenting, trying to get extra percentages. You, you just stick with what got you there try and repeat it and don't try and gamble don't gamble just do what you did pretty much to get here that's yeah. enough yeah. also play your own game don't 
try and compete with someone else's highlights online. Present your best package, play to your strengths, and and try and as much as you can just focus on what, what you've got to do. And also, when it comes to to the world's team, be be a team player. Don't behave like the world revolves around you, and above all, enjoy it. That's all I'd say. <laughs> That's fantastic advice. I love I love every bit of that advice. I feel like every time we talk about advice, Stuart, like me and you, you always talk about not don't go mental on peak week. Don't like, and that just I think comes from your experience, like watching other people oh. around you do silly things and. Yeah, it's so and important. Just stick to the game plan. <laughs> personally, having mucked it up, it's, it's not through being smart. It's been wise through having actually made a lot of these mistakes. And some sometimes it's better thinking, what do I not do? What yeah. do I really not do? <laughs> yeah, but you, you don't want to start gambling. You're, you've spent all that time. I've seen people just eating loads of garbage like just before they're about to go on, it's not even going to digest and it's just sitting like a brick in your stomach. Why? Just, I don't know if, I, I think nerves get the better of people and try and, try and also stay calm and, and just stick to that plan as, as much as you can and, and try and keep stress at bay. Yeah. Yeah, I think that's fantastic advice. Is there anything else that you wanted to talk about on the podcast before we finish up? Um, no, I think that I think that covers it. <laughs> Good. No, you've been fairly, amazing. <laughs> yeah, fairly long competitive journey, but still loving it. Uh, it's this is the new team. It's reignited the passion in me, and I'm going to keep going. I'm not even thinking about retiring anymore I might even do the masters yeah May, maybe go down that route maybe the monster mash that's quite a good one maybe that think about that in the future um so yeah and stay involved and keep it going well I'm so glad like honestly you're we met last year and I was like yeah. I really like you Stu like I feel like you've got such a good perspective on it and I think having you involved in the team like it's not just that you like being part of it, like you you're getting much something from being part of the team like I think that the people that are around you in the team are going to get are getting so much from you being involved your experience your advice your perspective on everything um and yeah I can't I can't wait to see you in Seattle in a few weeks can't wait to see what you do up on stage you know that I'll probably lose my voice shouting for you. That's so. fine. <laughs> <laughs> okay, awesome. Stuart, thank you so much for talking to me today. Um, I'm sure our listeners are going to get so much from you sharing your journey, experience and perspective here today. Um, and thank you to everyone who has listened along at home. We're going to be back with episode 21 of WMBF UK podcast in a few weeks. Until then, you can enjoy any of our previous episodes on Spotify or YouTube. Have a great few weeks, guys. This has been the WMBF UK podcast. Check out CNP, our sponsors, and sign up for our events at wmbfuk.com.